You're listening to Right at the Fork. This is Chris Angelus, and I'm happy to be in the studio here today with Heather Jones, our producer, and Court Johnson, who does some incredible engineering and has been our right-hand man in producing Right at the Fork since January of 2014. We invite you to visit our archives because today's interview isn't the only one that's out there. That's the, one of the nice things about podcasting is uh, if you haven't heard it before, it's new to you. So we have many episodes with some of the great players in the Portland food world, along with some suggestions that come with our sound bites every other week as well. So uh, visit Right at the Fork, share with your friends so that they can find us their favorite way, either Stitcher, iTunes, however that may be. Um, this guy today, you'll find out, well, you'll find a lot of places, but primarily out at Boondocker's farm, uh, Evan Gregoire is our guest. And, um, I have to say there was a little bit of energy in the studio when we had Evan today. Uh, it was a really fascinating and fun interview. He's someone you're not only going to want to get to know here on the podcast, but Go visit at his farm or find him somewhere at a farmer's market at some of his dinners. He is uh, on the forefront of the slow food movement, which is, of course, uh, very important here in Portland. And uh, he he talks a lot about seeds, where our food comes from, where it grows from, um, his farm. And uh, a real fascinating guy. I'm sure you're going to see a book or two or five from him in his lifetime. Um, And uh, I hope that uh, someday you'll say, hey, I heard that guy on Right at the Fork because he is and will be a bigger player in the Portland food world. So Evan Gregoire, who you can find at boondockersfarm.com, and also he talks about his Instagram feeds where you'll find a lot of his adventures in Italy, which I want to... I haven't yet viewed, but I want to, and that is at Farmer Evan PDX. So uh, take a listen, and I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Uh, just a lot of energy and a great guy, and uh, he's doing some fantastic things for us here in Portland and beyond. Looks good. Yeah, no, these are amazing. These are some of the seeds I collected in Italy. I will, uh, I'll pass these around to you guys so you can take a look at them and maybe you can describe them and possibly post some pictures or something about them later. Awesome. But, um, Thank you. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, more about those and uh, the regionality. I think of some of the things in the the, the the things I learned in Italy and just some of the growing techniques and some of the different regional flavors that uh, I was collecting while I was there for two months. Okay, um, so. if that's what you'd like to talk about. Well, that we'll that. Why are you talking? So. That, is, that and a lot of different things. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Definitely. No, but you just let me know. It's, you've got a lot. That's Yeah. So I appreciate your uh, honing it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And coming in as Definitely. well. So thanks. Definitely. No, I, you know, I was looking at your uh, Instagram mm-hmm. feed last night and this morning. Mm-hmm. You got a lot going on. I, I wonder how you can do all of that. I mean, it's... Well, it's, it's, we get a lot of help from the community. We get a lot of help from uh, interns uh, with, um, you know, we do a lot of apprenticeships on the farm. Uh, so, you know, taking care of, you know, normal daily chores and things like that are dealt with. Uh, so, we, you know, I, I'm definitely a good manager when it comes to my time. Otherwise, I wouldn't get time to do things like this. Um, so time management as a farmer is extremely key. 
and trying to play into you know how you can you know basically manage your time better and more efficiently is 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 basically how you're going to make money in farming so um that's kind of you know and, and that's not the bottom line but you know all the things that we do are very the margins are, are small you know we're trying to preserve seeds and breeds um for you know future generations and carry these these many generations uh, of of amazing seeds that people have passed down and, and you know there's energy in these seeds it's really it's really incredible so yeah so um yeah, I don't know. I can t- tell you about the farm. <laughs> you know get... what? I don't think I need to be here. Yeah, no. I'm going <laughs> to just let you go, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I won't interject anything. Or no, please do. Prod no. me with. I, I can, you know, I can tell you a little bit myself, and then we can well, go into there. I want to yeah. know because you weren't. It didn't look like this was the path you were heading down. You were a uh, business marketing. Yeah, major. I, I I really love marketing. I mean, I love doing this farming, but I love also the, getting behind, you know, the actual, you know, being the proponent behind farming and being kind of the advocate and the educator. Is that so, what you had in mind when you went to school for business marketing? No, or, So no, that came I, later. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, what did you have in mind when you went to school? What, when you majored in marketing, what were you thinking of? Pepsi? No, the the Los Angeles Dodgers. I wanted to work for. I wanted and you to work got for your sporting Dodger colors. Well, no, too. yeah, Dodger, oh, but it's actually a t- it's the Italian soccer team. So it's, okay. it's, yeah, so it's but they are but, Do- Dodger, but it's Dodger blue. So that's yeah, why right. that's why I bought it probably. So. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I I went to college in L.A. and I put myself through school um, working in restaurants. So um, I worked in a lot of restaurants in you know large restaurants uh, in Long Beach down in um, near the Queen Mary and lots of things like that. So I have a lot of experience in restaurants and I kind of. Always had a feel with agriculture. My grandfather, you know, grew up, uh, you know, with a beautiful backyard and this beautiful avocado tree. I remember, you know, playing under and he was always planting. He had navel oranges and tangelos and, you know, he's always, you know, doing some type of landscaping. And my grandmother always was planting flowers. And, you know, at seven years old, I figured out, you know, she was like teaching me what asters are. And, you know, it's just one of those things that I think every seven-year-old, you know, should have that experience and really, you know, get involved, you know, with planting and doing all those things and cooking and, and so that projection, I think, has been in me since I was little. It just hadn't come out till I went through school. And I think that's kind of what happens to a lot of people and some of these farmers that are starting to take their shift and, and move into, you know, the realm. You know, you might be a lawyer or a doctor and they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be, become a blueberry farmer or something like that. And so you see that happening. But I think I found out a little bit early enough where I, I changed my, my course and my path uh, to more, of you know, sustainable, organic just really just trying to do things um, as, as much with the earth as possible. How long ago was that? Um, about 2004. Okay. Yeah, about so, 2004. Um, I moved to Eugene, mm-hmm. and uh, we started to farm. This was uh, my business partner, uh, Rachel and, and I, and we started to plant seeds, collect seeds, plant, you know, sell the seeds out of, you know, the house, and then, you know, the starts of the plants. And, and then we Did you see it as a business, or were you just interested? Not in then, right? Yeah, not then, not at all. I was still doing a lot of work um, within, you know, marketing down in Eugene, working in restaurants, doing all kinds of things, you know, uh, catering and stuff like that. Playing and then, for the Dodgers. But yeah, too. I wish. Yeah, I'm still dreaming about that. Um, yeah, and then so basically, um, I kind of we kind of got bit by the farming bug. Um, really, you know, we started. I researched ducks. And all of a sudden, 24 hours later, I was driving the Corvallis to buy, you know, this backyard flock of ducks. And a year later, you know, it, it starts to snowball. You have seven ducks. And then all of a sudden, you know, you need to get a bigger place. And so um, that was kind of the, um, the really the trajectory is, is it started small. And then you really start to really, you know, gain your passion through, you know, just finding those little things out. 
that um, seeds and preserving these you know, these beautiful ducks, these beautiful breed of Ancona ducks that we raise, um, that is really amazing. I mean, a lot of the chefs in town really love them in, in terms of their flavor. And so the, the, tr- the projection wasn't seen then for this, but who, that, yeah. But it was who good. told you about ducks? What, what, what was the, well, what started the ducks? I started reading a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm all self, self-taught within agriculture, so I do a lot of reading. I have a stack of books like the size of this, this room in here, I mean, if, and so Elliot Coleman's, um, uh, his books, um, uh, The New Organic Grower was uh, one of the kind of proponents for me, and uh, he talked about other types of poultry besides chickens, and I didn't want to do chickens. Um, it's kind of something that I, I like to do everything a little different. Um, I don't just don't like to, you know, have green zucchini in the market. I don't, you know what I mean? I'd rather have it gray and striped and, mm-hmm. you know, and not novelty though. It has to be productive and that's the thing. It has to be, you know, very fit to our area. And so we started just finding these things and, you know, making networking and, and connections and doing, you know, all the, the reading and, uh, reading is really important. A lot of people just don't do enough research when it comes to finding out, you know, really and putting in depth, is this profitable? Is this, you know, and so we did a lot of reading. Joel Salatin's books were very helpful. Uh, in terms of looking at the profitability of it and then uh, scaling it to what we needed to um, to actually do to to profit from the duck eggs. So, so uh, you know, when I need to research something, mm-hmm. maybe I'm just on the surface. I'm generally on the Internet using Google and, and so forth to find out answers, which you can mm-hmm. find. Mm-hmm. But books How, aren't on the Internet. Though. Right, Not exactly. Yet. So yeah. books aren't on the Internet. Yeah. So, But they're a lot more in-depth than mm-hmm. you're going to find. And... You can look into the source, the writer, to and find out what further. kind of how credible they are, and then even go further and look at those the bibliography and see where they were doing their research. And right. So from there, so you, you know, do that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, on just about every topic. Unbelievable to me yeah. because because of what you do requires so much time and so much effort. I stay up late. Yeah. <laughs> that you're doing yeah. all, and you're still doing research to find out new things. Yeah. So my my thing is the Italian. Seeds and the Italian vegetables this year. Right? Since I went this to Italy, year, this year I know. Okay. That, so what was it last year? It not was the, the blue tomatoes. I still have, but everything I still have. So it's not like I move on right. with these You're projects. Just it. I just grow, it and then you save. You have an interest in that that year's project and that breeding project, or that you know the selection for that certain vegetable. And so each year, last year, and actually last two years, I should say it was blue vegetables because all the blue vegetables became really popular. And so I started really trying to save and do a lot of work with those. And this year, since I went to Italy, I kind of caught the bug in Italian gardens. And I mean, you know, just, I went to 20 different cities, stayed at um, six different farms, uh, stayed with the families. Um, they taught me all about, you know, their seed saving culture, their, their, you know, all the, the democracy and everything in, in involved with, uh, you know, Italian living. And it was really, really interesting. And it was really grounding to be in that type of culture and then eat so slow. And I mean, they spend, you know, four or five hours a day. I mean, literally eating <laughs> food. I mean, it's like, it's pretty crazy. So you were off where tourists don't go. Exactly. You were yeah. living living life as a, you know, old In 15th century farmhouses. Exactly. And yeah, it was really beautiful. So is and that, so, I don't know if I went that far down on your Instagram. Is that all so on your Instagram? Some of that is in the Instagram. And so my, my whole plan with this this evolution of, of the idea of the Portland Seed House, which is a growers collective, it's going to start as out as, and it's going to provide some of these seeds that I collected to local growers and then growers um, even out of our region. And then so with that, I can kind of use that as a proponent and put all my writing on there and some of these Italian blogs because I have so many. I took 2,500 pictures. And so, I mean, I, I, I love photography, and that was one of the things that when I went over there, I mean, I was shooting all the time and, you know, trying to work and shoot at the same time and doing selfies and whatever I could, you know, just to try to be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm here. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the, the, the point is to really tell the story and tell the story about these families 
and these families have these deep traditions. I mean, centuries and centuries of, of, of people that have been, you know, growing these vegetables and they were telling about, you know, how you know, it's just, it's really incredible. And it's really, and some of those stories I'm going to tell on the Portland Seed House, which is kind of like a blog, but it's also um, kind of like my new, you know, introduction to some of these Italian seeds and then the networking of seeds, you know, really getting into um, how do we diversify you know, because we're kind of getting global here, you know, in terms of the in terms of how we're we're going about saving seeds. And the European Union has a very strict um, access policy on seeds. And so, what we're trying to do is um, at least is get those seeds in other people's hands, so they're not lost to companies and lost to large corporations. Because what they're starting to do is is really be strict on what they can grow, especially in Europe. And they're actually trying to pull some of those uh, those laws over here with the seed banks and things like that. So. They just don't want the contamination and you know the purity and all that of seed going downhill. They don't want people doing it that don't know what they're doing. And so as a private collective, um, not a public seed bank, what we can do is then we can use growers and we can say, hey, we have all the checks and balances. Nobody's depositing seed into this bank that's not like usually a, a, a grower that has some type of at least a little bit of training. So that's kind of the idea with the seed bank uh, for the for the it's a private seed bank. Mm -hmm. So. That idea for someone like me, mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about seeds mm -hmm. that much. I mean, we'll go to but the farmers market. But you're thinking about tomatoes, yeah. Right, and well, you're thinking about the yeah. end product. Exactly. But we're not, you know, there's got to be somebody like you and lots of somebodies like you. But it, it's thinking it's really... about that on behalf of all of us. And now, when we're talking about those sorts of things, we're we're on the surface with GMOs, which is important. But that's the only thing people know, and they have opinions that aren't based on scientific fact based on what is on cable tv mm -hmm. um so and gmo is a whole different category of things that i mean i deal with it but, but it's, that's the closest the media is getting to a seed exactly that's my point so the conversation what i want to bring into seed is now we have all these wonderful open pollinated varieties and this wonderful diversity that we need to grab hold of and portland is an amazing place for food and we have amazing chefs here that want to work with amazing products so you know, getting this diversity and not having just these, you know, this run of 10 tomatoes that everybody does, you know, the early girls and this, you know, all these you know, normal ones that people are used to seeing. But really, you know, having maybe some other early tomatoes that they have a lot more flavor that are grown, you know, in Russia. And, and then we can tinker those, you know, a little bit and, and kind of select those to our climate. And, and they'll How do you grow. tinker with them? How do you... It's from season to season. I mean, you select the best ones. I mean, you, if something was early that season and you notice those plants were early, you would select from those plants. And mm. so you would just take those seeds and you would save those seeds. And uh, I have seed saving instructions. And I like that's part of the whole education. Tomatoes are the easiest, one of the easiest things to actually seed save. I mean, there's, there's not too much of an actual process. I mean, you can just dry them out. But you can go as far uh, as, far as um, fermenting them and getting them actually just a little bit moldy, and then you dry them out. So I mean, it's it's really it's really an easy process, and just selecting year to year, home gardeners can do. And that's how I started doing it and caught this bug is really doing it in my backyard and realizing that I wanted to scale it, but I didn't need to. You know, I could have done this in a very small setting. And I think Portland is, like I said, that is is, is a really amazing place for the all these you know, these amazing people that want to do these things. And so, I mean, start, you know, saving seeds. I mean, it's like, it's as, as really as easy as that. I mean, I teach classes at Portland Nursery on saving seeds, um, usually in September, October. Um, they're all free. Um, so people can come to those and, you know, really learn, you know, how to do that. And so, while we're talking about it, mm -hmm. just because you mentioned it, people would get that, uh, your website, or Boondockers? Yeah, so Boondockers Farm is uh, the com. website, uh, .com, and then Portland Seed House, uh, .com are the two websites um, that I'm kind of concurrently. 
then we have blogs and like you said instagram and you know all kinds of other ways if whatever your, your engagement is um we like to you know and we do some engagement on those too as well you know the smartphones are amazing these days you can be out in the field and most of the pictures that's i'll be in the same place and i'll turn and i'll take another picture and i'll turn and i'll make another picture and you know i have one thing over here one thing over here and so um just document i love documenting you know what i do and i think inviting people into that you know the conversation of farming and seeds is very important and like i said not just touching on that gmo you know topic is really looking at you know what other things can we do to you know to, to breed these vegetables and save these vegetables um so we can get on you know with, with flavors really amazing flavors so that that conversation i think is uh more commonplace in portland oregon yes I'm just going to guess. Yes. Uh, you know, it's not going on as much elsewhere. It does go on. There are yes. people yeah. like you with passion and other markets. But in terms of getting it to catch on and getting people to come to classes and who are interested, I would imagine it's easier here. What, is it, what would it take to have, to have Portland be contagious and get outside to... Just doing, just inviting people to the conversations, doing like having things like this where, you know, I think what I'm going to try to do is get people out to the farm to see some of these amazing varieties, maybe even plant some, you know, test gardens. We talked about doing a demo garden with slow food somewhere in town. So if somebody has some acreage they wanted to just, uh, you know, let us plant for a demo garden, um, that would be amazing. So people can kind of just come and see these old, really um, traditional varieties that were grown in the United States, you know, for hundreds of years. We don't have a long history, but we have a history here, and that's kind of one of the projects of Slow Food. It's the uh, the Architaste, and the Architaste, what it does is it saves these North uh, North American traditional varieties that have been grown here and have some type of, you know, documentation or history. And so it also includes products like shrubs and things like that, too, that, uh, that people have done here for hundreds of years. So if there's a certain product within a region, they'll start to try to protect those products or at least produce those products uh, within those regions. And so we have a couple here going on. The, the Spanish Roja garlic just uh, got put on the Architaste list, which is, um, which is an old-time, old-fashioned garlic they've been using. You know, it's a commercial garlic that kind of went out of production, and, um, but it was in production for a lot of years. So we're just saving. saving so it's back yeah. here in Portland. We can find it now, I believe or? so, yeah. There are, it's, it's pretty fairly common throughout uh, some of the farmer's markets. I know some of the, the farmers do have the Spanish Roja. Um, so, and just keeping those products going and keeping those, those taste traditions alive is really important because all of those are part of culture and somebody's culture at some point. You know, Southern food, using a certain collar down there. There's a guy, Sean Brock, who is an amazing, uh, I mean, I, in terms of what he's doing with the restaurant and then the variety selection, for the recipes that he's using is really intense. I mean, that's really what you, what's, that's what a true chef does. They look at the ingredients that they're using for the cuisine, not just taking something like a chicken, you know, but if it's a chicken used in a traditional French rest, you know, a recipe from the 1700s, they didn't have Cornish cross chickens back then. They only had these certain heritage breeds that, you know, like we did this class at Dinden where we just did last week, which was teaching people how to break down and use the heritage chicken for all of its qualities because the amount of gelatin in that breed is amazing. And so it has all these other qualities that the, the chickens that we raised in traditional um, factory farms nowadays, they don't. And so that's really just moving back a little bit, but still playing with the, you know, the selection. Like I was saying, just year to year, you're, you're looking at it and then ad adapting it to our climate here. So like I said, there are kind of these heirloom heritage varieties, but we do play with them a little bit where, you know, we're selecting for a little different size and or something like that, too. So because it's all regional, you know, when I went to Italy, that was the most the most interesting thing is looking at the Cordobu tomatoes, which I thought Cordobu was one variety. 
But then you go to every city and their core de boo is something different. So it's, you know, core de boo of Parma, core de boo of Bologna. Core, and so every core de boo changes based on their soil and their terroir and, and their individuality to their region. And so that's, you know, what I want, really want to develop with, with Portland is we have a region here that is amazing, that is very much like Italy. I did a lot of traveling on that same latitude to collect these seeds, you know, in those latitudes so they would have a better tendency here than they would on any other, um, like if I went to Sicily, let's say. I mean, it's just, it's like Mediterranean down here. They're not going to do that well here. So you're trying to find things that were, were very regional was very important too. Well, that's interesting because we're very versed at having conversations about soil and climate mm -hmm. when it comes to wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that everybody's willing to have. But mm -hmm. there's all the, there are all these other conversations that could be, that are oh, yeah. just as fascinating. Cider apples. I mean, think about the regionality of cider apples and think of the regionality of all these other products, too. Truffles. I mean, even truffles up in, you know, in different areas. Mushrooms. I mean, the whole, the whole gamut really is, is affected by that. So. Well, I think it's pretty cool when you're talking about tomatoes and the different, mm -hmm. you know, geography in Italy that we recognize. And it sounds so romantic, by no, the way. It it's very romantic it when it comes to a tomato. And that turns into things we love. Yeah. That's, those are interesting conversations, Definitely. I think, or, or things to learn about. Mm -hmm. Uh, vintages and varieties, and um, I don't think we have those that. So those those are the things we want to bring to the table. Right. So this you know this year I really want to focus the, some of the farm dinners you'll be you'll be seeing that we're going to be doing. I don't have too many things on the docket yet, but we're opening those up right now and just trying to figure out you know really getting people in 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 seeing these plants even growing. You know, doing some actual field tours, even some harvesting, and then going and and having the chef do some preparations. You know, and actually. So the connection to the food is really, you know, it's just not sitting down for, you know, a meal just prepared by some really amazing chef. It's that connection of the food that I really want people to really focus on. And, and then the seeds. I mean, it's basically seed to table is really what it is. I mean, that's what farmers are doing. They're bringing these amazing seeds, you know, that have been grown for generations and they're turning them magically into these amazing vegetables. And so, and there's, there's a wealth of farmers around here that, that really know what they're doing with a lot of amazing vegetables. So. There are no shortage of them, and that's yeah. why we have our markets, too. Yeah, yeah. But again, I'm going to go to that, and maybe it's just me, but I'm not thinking as a consumer as far back as, this, as far down as the seed. I'm not mm -hmm. digging as deep. I'm yeah. looking at what's at the market. And yeah, yeah. so you're cognizant of everything that's getting, that goes on to get it to the market. Do you f see, um, you're obviously really articulate. It's awesome. I can just sit back here. And, yeah, yeah. And, but you. do you see writing some books on? Uh, we, on... We, we have a duck book in the works right now mm -hmm. um, with a publisher, um, with an amazing publisher that's, that has asked us to write a proposal. So I, I'm, I'm trying to get that, that going. But um, writing and a seed book. you'll have time book, to do that? No. Um, writing a, a <laughs> seed book would be amazing. Um, writing something describing, you know, I, you know, something about like the European unions and not being, a, you know, just, I mean, I, I have a lot of ideas. I just haven't, it's kind of that whole writer's block where you just need to like actually dump it onto some paper. I just need to go lock myself in a cabin in Alaska somewhere or something like that. I don't know. So yeah. your family growing up, were you, how, how about siblings? I have a younger brother who lives in Eugene. Mm -hmm. um, he he's in landscaping. He I'm, I would love him to come up and do what I'm doing here, but like a you know hard-headed brother, he kind of doesn't want to do exactly what I'm doing. So um, or do it with you, or that's, do it with me. Yeah, yeah. So which is fine. I think family intervention can be uh, fairly too dynamic sometimes. Oh yeah, so, 
but so, yeah. but so it depends, and and there's there's a bit moderation and balance that, of course. that could work out. Of course. So the reason I ask that is so when you were a kid, were you all over the lot? I mean, did could you cut focus and be into? You must have been in, into a lot of things. Oh yeah. You were yeah. climbing. You were out in the woods. I'm guessing. Oh yeah. Right. You're yes. a very I, curious kid. I'm a very earth child. I mean, I I have you know, I, mom couldn't stop me, stop me from touching things and you know what I mean? it was just like I was that kid that was just really annoying and so <laughs> in a good way though I think I mean curiosity I think is what you know we really need kids involved and getting their hands dirty and getting their hands you know you know doing having wood shop and having all those classes that we just don't have anymore you know um, school gardens are amazing for children these days I think that's I'm a real proponent for you know we donate a lot of seeds to to those um, you know actual um, you know like any type of school gardens, you know, anything, anybody wants seeds, I will give you seeds to plant in your school garden. So that I'll just throw that out there. But, um, because it's seeds are one thing that is very, you know, it's, it's very easy to make, you know, and just give like a little bit of seeds and then make more seeds with those seeds. So like these, uh, beans right here, um, I probably won't be able to sell any this year. Um, but you can see, you know, that with maybe a couple hundred beans, you can make a couple thousand beans or whatever next mm -hmm. year. So, um, the regionality in those two beans sitting in front of you, um, it's a borlato um, in your in the middle there, and then there's a different regionality to the other borlato. So they're very much similar, the two um, the two red ones, but they have just little complexities, but just based on their 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 areas of separation. So one was grown a little more in the Tuscany region, one was grown in the North Piedmont region, and so you can see like like a hundred years and you know families and generations that have taken these beans and saved them, and one is just little smaller, a little thinner skin, the other one's thicker, and maybe, you know, towards their climate, it's a little bit better for them for cooking and things like this, too. So And there, so there's a family somewhere that this is all they've done for 500 years? Seriously. That's it. This corn I have right here, <laughs> this guy, this is a crazy story. So I met this guy in, um, in Tierra Madre, and I saw this corn, and I, it was like the end of the conference, and then I ran after him in the parking lot, because I saw his corn stalks like going away, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I have to go catch this guy." So I caught up with him. I took the corn with me, and some of the stuff got sent back because I was mailing some of the stuff back, and that stuff got confiscated. But freakishly, he works uh, was had a meeting with Nike two weeks ago, and he actually he was like, "Hey, Evan, you know, because I I'm, the big thing is networking with all these Italian seed savers." And so he's the president of this of this association called Spinato. Uh, di Gandino, which is an amazing variety of hooked corn, in, and they make polenta, this really amazing, um, like soft, flavorful aroma that it's it's beautiful. And so he actually came here, brought me more seeds, and we had dinner. And I took him to like an American. He didn't want to go Italian place, of course. He wanted to go to like Smokehouse, and so it was like it was like yeah, you know, it was like took him to uh, I think Smokehouse Tavern. It was just it was it was really great. It was really and. Just really connecting again, and you know he's going to send me some more varieties of corn, uh, a Venezia variety, a white Venezia variety that's really amazing. But um, this variety is very um, traditional, and for 500 years this has been grown in there, right to basically it's the I think the northwest of Milan, about uh, 20 kilometers, and it is a, a very traditional variety that he doesn't want to go away in his community. So for 500 years these cities and these these I think I call it the five cities that have been planting these varieties of corn. I have been saving this Spinato di Gandino. And so it was just, it was really amazing just making those connections and losing the seed, getting it back, you know, and then, you know, me, and then, and then starting that conversation again. And so um, 
this uh, probably won't be for another. I might be able. We, we're going to do some dinners this year that are going to have some of these things in them. So I'll have some like Italian seed dinners or something like that later on in the season, and so they'll be really amazing. Hopefully with Jason French. I, I that's my I have my fingers crossed. I already tried to talk him up a lot of times. He's like, yeah, we're going to do it. Yeah, we're going. We'll see. Well, you but, mentioned it here, so he's got to do it. He's got to do it now. I put him on the yeah, spot. Now I put him on the spot. Let's put him on the spot right now. Jason French. <laughs> uh, you need to contact Evan yeah. and arrange yeah. for. Your we, farm we, we talked we talked about it already, but we have to we have to finish up the. He'll do it. He's a busy guy in the summer. He's yeah. He's already amazing. we're he, already getting there. His connection with food is is one of the highest that that caliber that I've seen any chef um, have. Uh, his just his just amazing. I mean, we did a media tour uh, last year where we had a lot of um, like after feast. Um, Jason did a dinner on the farm. Basically, I think it was 75% of the ingredients were all from my farm. Like, no olive oil, obviously. No certain things like this that I just don't produce. But, you know, there's the duck and the chicken and the beans and tomatoes and the peppers. and I mean, like, pretty much, you know, the whole gamut. And so it was really amazing just to have one chef come in, just do everything from one location, you know, in the field. Like, he was doing, he was cooking in the field. I mean, and just And taking, he's, he's really good at that, cooking on kind of... On the fly. On the fly yeah. with, with just whatever he has. That's what it is. Yeah. The implements and, and the food, too. By the way, I just want to mention for people listening to this podcast, we had a great interview with Jason French, uh, probably back in the 30s, look in the late 30s uh, in terms of podcasts. So yeah, yeah. since we're talking about him, it was... Uh, He's, yeah, he's a good guy. He's a really good guy. Yeah. Who are some of the other chefs in, in town that you think are doing, um, uh, are really connected? Sarah Mimic uh, from Lovely 5050s. Yes. Just yes. amazing, amazing products she uses. She really, I mean, when I go in there, I mean, I mean, I had some um, Irish Creek uh, polenta with our with a duck egg cracked over it mm. and some Brussels sprouts that was, I just, I mean, I lost it. I was just, I was trying to like lick the bowl literally. And I mean, just the things that come out of her kitchen are really um very local um, foraged and farms that, and she uses special ingredients. She doesn't want to use, you know, the normal stuff. It's funny because as someone who loves pizza, I'll usually mm -hmm. go into it. I went into Lovely's 50-50. It smelled great. It looked great. Thinking, where's just the sausage? I just want right. you know, sausage and <laughs> onion pizza. And then I said, all right, I'm here. I'm going to go with it. And then you get it. You yeah. go, okay, that's why Kale is here. And she's, she's done a marvelous job with it. Or whatever black radish or whatever she feels right. like. Right, and it's a, and it's her really, salads. Yeah, I remember having a salad there, and I'm not always blown away by salads, but thinking, man, if I if this was served to me every day, first of all, I'd be a lot thinner, <laughs> but secondly, I just to I enjoy it, and yeah. I haven't been there in a while, and I always on my mind, and because of where I live, it's not the easiest place to get right. to, so I should I should work a little harder. So who else? Right. Uh, um. Langban and what Earl's doing over there is, is really incredible. I mean, the flavors he's using, I have never, ever tasted before. Mm -hmm. um, I think Just like had bamboo dinner there fungus. a couple of weeks ago, yes. Did you have the bamboo fungus? Yes. I, I mean, like, like what? Like, yes. Like, oh, my gosh. I don't even yeah. remember it all. The menu is so yeah, large. You'd probably yeah. be, easier, be easier for you to tune into it than it would for someone like me um, to do. But, yeah, he, he does amazing and at Padi too, same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's basically the, the, I mean, just different, kind of the same menu, but a little more like street, you know, I think in Langban. I'm glad we like mentioned that. it because Langban really needs help getting people in the door. They do. They're, they're, I think they're, they definitely, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of ridiculous. But, um, 
that whole Oregonian article was really funny, and, and it was it was interesting to read um, all about. You know, well, the six he's had every TV station has been in there all exactly. of a sudden, and exactly. he's been mentioned, you know, GQ and right. everywhere. So yeah. I actually have a couple of reservations. I've never, you would never think of doing this. I'm. Mm-hmm. Set up a couple of times in the next few months. So. Oh, you just you just you just kept on booking them. Yeah, and I don't know if I'm going to be in town or not, but I'm just <laughs> booked funny. them out. So That's I got funny. one in May and uh, another one in July, and maybe it's some... like it's like a sports game or something. Yeah, you know, it's you like get... a laser game. You just like you just buy your tickets. Well, in there's advance. that, and it's also yeah. a little bit like eBay. Or that, yeah, because yeah. you ha- if you're making a bid on something, you have to keep refreshing. Because <laughs> the only way to get it is Sunday, six months from now. Right, if I get yeah. it at twelve oh one, I'll I, get it. I in think it. I'll be alive. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but but funny. anyway, I'm glad for Earl. He's a great guy, and yeah. Rasamain, um, if I pronounced that correctly, and mm-hmm. he's also, I think, this weekend, uh, kind of stepping back a little bit. He's got some of his chefs who are oh, going to be taking over uh, and being the guys. So. Yeah. That's good. And the girls. So, That's good. Um, anybody else in mind? Um, gosh, there, I mean, there's so many good ones. I um, know. It's hard I'm, to make a list because well, then you feel like you leave two people of the, out. I'm, after this, um, I'm going to visit uh, the new location at Prem, mm-hmm. um, which uh, we're going to be definitely doing uh, some some business with. Um, I love those guys over there. I've loved them when they were at, you know, uh, at Ned Ludd, um, and I'm really happy to see them have, you know, get their own place. Um, also, Renata. Um, uh, Nick and Sandra um, are opening up with you know Ancient Heritage and that whole block uh, down there in Southeast uh, mm-hmm. is really going to be amazing. So I'm going to go over there afterwards. I'm going to go see their new space, and uh, you can look on Instagram for some some pictures of uh, of that. I'm going to go see Prem and them. I go see them, and so it's a food, by the way, your Instagram is just at Boondockers. Uh, mine is Farmer Evan PDX. Oh, you have that too. Okay, I have that I have, too. Yeah, I that's where my Italian stuff is because I, oh, I don't right. I didn't want to bog people down with like my you know, Instagram stuff, you know, cause the business is the business. That's, that's something that's completely, you know, it's, it's separate, but it's not, it's, you know, it's give my life and then we have like the business. So. All right. Since you know everything, just 15 seconds. Yeah. What's the best way to post to two different Instagrams with I the same phone? I haven't figured that out yet. Okay. Yeah. I have to go back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's, I it's want like some... you got to log out and then log back in and, yeah. poof, and then it's not only the, then if you want to copy to Facebook, you've got to oh, do your personal it. or your business and then yeah. go, I stopped doing Facebook because I just don't have enough time. I mean, I literally am just like, okay, I don't, I don't want it. So we do a little bit, but I mean, just, just you have to kind of pick one, you know, one you really want to do well, and then you just don't do try, don't try to do like three well. Is right. kind of you know what I what I've been taking. That's why I mm-hmm. tell Heather, and I'm joking about it a lot lately because mm-hmm. she thought I'd be perfect for Instagram, and I just fought it, fought it, fought it. Mm-hmm. I don't need another one, right? Mm-hmm. I think I do Facebook pretty well. Never, I just copy. But at any rate, I'm fun. I'm in now, and I get mm-hmm. the benefits, and I love it. So, how much of your posting to Instagram is a business move, and how much is it just pleasure because you like photography? Uh, it's a. I'd say like seventy five percent. I mean, there's a little business. bit business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but like my business, what I do for you know is this is. I mean, my passion is is farming, is collecting seeds. It's going to the chefs and talking about all these things, and really getting to show them that that diversity. Um, that's out there. So, I mean, for me, I mean, it's almost like a hundred percent sometimes, you know, when, if I, I went down to Santa Cruz and then all I want to go, go do is visit farms, you know what I mean? And the beach, but so, I mean, so, and so that's <laughs> something you can do as a marketing tool and an educational tool all in one shot, just take some pictures and then tell people, Hey, visit my Instagram. You can see what's going on. Well, there. Even, even all chefs too, you know, it'd be really interesting if, you know, you, I think the documentation of farms and chefs just, there's a couple of really good ones out there and just, 
couple pictures, you know, throughout the day, you know, really what you're doing. And um, it doesn't have to be, the cameras nowadays make everything look so professional that it, it's, you know. Too it professional. Sense. People accuse you of fake. Exactly. So it's kind of nice, uh, you know, to have that, um, just have that documentation, though, to see, you know, what they're doing. Like, you know, they're prepping this for this. I mean, Sarah Mimic does it really nice. And you'll see her pizzas come up before they're there and like, ooh, like that one. They have, you know, this farms, you know, and this farm and this farm. And so. It's really neat to see that, um, that integration um, for community and then, you know, using community and Instagram in the, in the proper way and to connect us, you know, so. So do you have a, like a 10-year plan? Is that possible for no. you? Do you see yourself? I, I, I don't think Where I Where are you going to be? I try, but then it's always so moving um, and shifting, but um, definitely still doing what I'm doing. I mean, I mean, still growing and maybe growing the Portland Seed House to an actual, you know, Italian seed company or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I Have mean, you so. sat down and done like even even with a consultant and done a business plan, or are you just kind of going with what? Well, the if, farm if has, you build the farm it, has it will a, come. The farm has a business plan. You know, my separate projects kind of just have a passion behind them at this point. Um, you know, at at some point, I think that would be the, you know the proper thing to do if I wanted to turn some of those things into a larger nonprofit or something like that. That you know that does actually more. Um, community work and and you know building and, and teaching and educating so yeah so you're going to your uh, you've been designated as Portland's slow food representative Is so that- so I, I this that's what I went to Italy for in October so oh. Tierra Madre was that already okay that already happened that already happened so there were eight of us that went as delegates mm-hmm. um, and that's where I got these seeds from from Portland from Portland okay gotcha. yeah so um, every two years slow food selects eight people to go and be delegates and have this amazing experience in this Italian conference. Um, and then they have the basically three comp, three huge convention centers filled with Italian products and all regionalized. And so you go spend days and days and days just tasting salami and doing tastings and of anything, cannolis, I mean, duck prosciutto and goose prosciutto. And there are people yeah. that would just go into your business just to get that experience once. I think so. I think I think, I think it happens too, though. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, just just really, the food is food is an amazing connector um, through into into the community. I mean, there's a lot going on in Italy, and I think getting some of that culture and bringing it back here was what I was trying to do at Tierra Madre and trying to figure out, you know, what can I bring back? So seeds, you know, some of those things, those are actual tangible. Um, that, you know, that regionality, you know, I wanted to bring back, I, you know, I got that back. And so now growing them out and then starting that, that, you know, culinary kind of cuisine here, we already have a little bit of it, but I want to kind of further that and, and, you know, do some more, um, you know, and it doesn't mean we can't create our own here too. And that's what, um, I know, you know, Dan Barber, like the third plate, um, that, that's basically what it, that book is about. It's about really creating our own regional cuisines. Um, we have kind of been separated, you know, from our, cultures throughout the years, but now we need to bring it back. You know, we really need to find that, that diversity and that, that culture that we really love, the flavor that we really love for the Northwest. And we're the ones that we're in charge. There's so many yeah. things to it though. There's, yeah. uh, how do you define Portland cuisine and how would you define it if you had? Well, I mean, it, it definitely has a focus on local. Obviously James Beard is from the Northwest. Right. So um, I think like people like Sarah Mimic who are actually using the farms and going local and really being connected to the farms is, you know, and it supports the local economy too when you're, when they're doing that. So it's kind of a, a big, you know, closed circle. They're not buying from Cisco or not buying from all these other, you know, companies. That but are, how does the city start, start this process? This happened in Portland 
20 years ago it started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, farmers connecting with chefs. I think it's happening. I think I think you think it's happening all it's over happening. pretty I, naturally. I, but how does it happen in places like California and the Southwest when the with the droughts and how do you build this? Um, well, I think there's there's a lot of smart ideas coming to light. You know, now um, there are food deserts. I think that is a large problem um, within the within the U.S. Um, and even other countries too. I mean, it's like you have these where you have large population sources, amazing abundance amount of food, but then you have these scarcities, you know, outside just within these communities that have zero farmers markets, zero, and then some don't have resources either. The water, obviously, right. like you talked about, and that's so, where it's got to start. So, um, selecting through for certain things that do well in those climates is really important too. So if you're a climate, if you're a farmer that has a really drought, you know, tolerant tomato that you can grow with no water, you know, that's possible, you know, just planting really early and, you know, getting the tomatoes in there and then harvesting what you can, you might not get, you know, hundred percent of your harvest, but so you're doing things like that. I mean, the, the people have to be, but it takes partner. a while to get from there to a community like Portland where everybody's feeding off of, of course. one we another. And I mean, it's a really place, pretty yeah. cool. And you can't, it's really hard to describe mm-hmm. to someone mm-hmm. outside unless they experience it. And by the way, coming to visit for four days it doesn't give you the whole thing either. Yeah. You have to, unfortunately, not, well, fortunately for those who do, you have mm-hmm. to live here to mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. to live in it. So we, we haven't even touched on it. You underwent some terrible fire. Recently. Yeah, the and, you know most people would come in here and that'd be like on their mind. You're a very positive person, and you're look obviously looking forward. We we have we have already grieved for what we lost. So I think moving forward, you have to put you know some that you have to put it in your past. I mean, there, there's nothing that that we can do from this point except to plan. Is really we want to create a, a space where we can take all the the organizations that we've worked with throughout Portland. Um, Slow Food and, you know, Portland Culinary Alliance and, um, you know, all these different, one of our friends and family farmers, and maybe they can use that space. You know, we really want to try to zone maybe two different, like a barn building and then an actual commercial kitchen, event space, dinner space, where we can have like a seeds and breeds kind of education center where people can kind of learn and do cooking classes. And we already have, you know, Trackers Earth Camps, the kids camps coming out. So just really furthering that connection is really where that needs to go. And then so just building something up that, um, is that really does what was there justice at the same because I, I don't know if you guys have seen some of the pictures of the barn it was built in the 1890s it was brought over on you know a rail car with the with the house and you know put up together by you know probably like 50 people in the in the in the community or something like that so i mean we want to try to recreate a little bit of that you know is really bring the community out do like a barn building do you know what i mean is try to spawn some of these negative you know, things that have happened and really try to make positive, you know, light out of them. And so, um, so I keep on, I've heard two or three people would be like, you know, it's the Phoenix, you know, it's like, right. And I'm just like, okay. I'm like, yeah, exactly. We're, that's what we're doing. And that's fantastic. When do you anticipate that's going to be? So the planning is the demo all happened. So it's, it's leveled now. And so the planning is kind of going on right now. So, um, as we figure out more, um, in terms of that, you know, we'll definitely be posting more. People have been like, are you getting, it's going to have, you know, Kickstarter or something like that. I was going to ask what people can do to support your, uh, at this point, no, but probably like, I I would say yes. At some point when we start actually having dinners lined up that we can, I just don't want to take from people. I want to, you know, give something back. So until we can figure out what we can give back, Mm -hmm. I'm not putting up anything up there so because that's kind of it's a give-and-take relationship I mean I, I want to provide something to the community until I feel like I can do that I'm not gonna go ahead and ask for money so oh, that's very cool so, so if people want to 
stay in touch and find out where, when that those things might happen, when you're ready. Yeah, I'll, I'm Boondocker, sure we'll, we'll boondockersfarm.com. I'm sure we'll light it up. I mean, I'm sure it's probably all you'll see for like a week or something like that. And it'll yeah. be more people than just you lighting it up because you're so connected. So it's going to so hopefully yeah, happen. The, the Jason channel. French will be talking about it. <laughs> yeah, let's put him on the spot again. Yeah. All right. Well, sure. li- listen, this has been fantastic. I could, I honestly didn't even need to be here. No, As you I did. Said, no, you did. No, I did. It was yeah. nice. But um, you're a wealth of knowledge. I, uh, I, uh, I'm going to make a point to get out to Please. Boondockers, yeah. learn more. I don't think I can absorb as much as you're going to be able to put out there. but It depends uh, how many times you can come. Yeah, well, yeah. that's true. <laughs> um, but I really appreciate you coming in. Um, awesome opportunity to meet you. This Thank is you so much. My, this is one of my favorite discussions that we've had here and certainly, the, I mean, certainly we, the most educational. Thank you so much. I mean, we're, let's have more. I mean, seriously, I, I want to have more conversations around seed. I mean, that's very important. Seeds and, and preserving breeds and really finding that regional cuisine, you know, for our, um, for our region. So. so, and there are lots of opportunities outside of this podcast Absolutely. to have those conversations with you. So you can just, and, or email me and I'll, I'd love to start the conversation. Where I do mean. people so, email you? Um, my personal email I'll give out. I mean, I don't have a problem doing that. Um, uh, is my name Evan Gregoire PDX or you, um, at Gmail, or you can email me at uh, boondockers at live.com. So either one or just go on the website, there are contact places on there. I mean, there's, you know, I'd love to come, you know, check out your, your place, plant some seeds in your place and have you save some seeds or, you know, for the Portland Seed House or, you know, buy some baby ducks and start your own little backyard duck flock or whatever you want to do, you know. So I'm definitely open to conversation. So. Obviously. And thank you so much for having this one. Appreciate <laughs> no, it. Thank you. Right the Fork is recorded in the beautiful studios at Alpha Media and expertly sound engineered by Court Johnson and produced by me, Heather Jones. If you want to find us, we are on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud. We love ratings and reviews, so thank you to those who have done that, and please, we hope you'll continue to do so. You can find us at portlandfoodanddrink.com and portlandfoodadventures.com, and of course, right at thefork.com, discoverportland.net, and now at foodcartsportland.com. Lots of great places to find us. We're also on Twitter, Food Podcast PDX, and of course, Facebook as well. Also on our website, we now have a donate button. So if you enjoy the podcast and want to see it continue, please donate and thank you so much. <laughs>